welcome to the cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one and only DJ. Woo! 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 <laughs> have you ever seen that episode of Futurama where they use the what if, what if machine and Bender pretends to, he asked, what if I was human? Um, I vaguely remember that. And then he like drinks too much and realizes what happens to humans. Yes. And yeah. he like, it dies and, but he keeps going, woo, but it's yep. just escape the, the air escaping his body. That's, <laughs> that just made me think of that. <laughs> Sorry. That was a very roundabout way to get to what that reminded me of. <laughs> All right. So plan for this episode. We're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about wolves of the color part two, telling tales chapter four. The priest's tale continued. I think there's also like a subhead, but or subtitle, but no, that's enough. That's enough. You know what? You know, if you're reading along, you already been knowing, so you're good. Uh, and then we'll close out the show with our listener question uh, and the new one for the next episode. I'm actually very curious to see what everybody said with this one because it's going to actually result in a little bit of a Spotify playlist. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Before we get into all that, DJ. Can you please do me a solid and tell our listeners about our spoiler policy here on the cast of Kaw? Like getting the sense of the low men coming for you, you'll jump behind a bush and we'll let you know when we train universes to the spoiler zone. <laughs> you know what, DJ? I realized I didn't even ask. How are you doing? Oh, each day is a, it's a gift, Rachel. I woke up today, so that was a gift. Tomorrow will be a gift if I wake up again, and uh, I hope for the best for the day after that. See, How are that's you, one Rachel? Of those things that sounds positive but makes you feel kind of like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, what do you say we get into this? Uh, yeah, this yeah. Let's episode? do this. Uh, um, where okay. where do we leave off? I forgot to do this. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't even know if you actually look at these, uh, but I forgot to write the where we left off. Do oh, you, and you, I don't think do you ever write where we left off. Always. Oh no, I usually don't look at them. <laughs> amazing all right where um, did we leave off with our friends where we left off is um callahan explaining to the gang that there is actually a walking bridge that goes along what was it the hudson river or the manhattan river hudson I don't know. river from manhattan I, to new jersey yeah I from think? manhattan to new jersey and i don't I, uh, know i'm from the bay area california <laughs> and uh for those of you who actually know what river that is and i do not um congratulations <laughs> way to know a thing yes exactly <laughs> um and so like as he's explaining that no in fact it was like recommissioned not that many years ago and there's a plaque on it um we we come back to this scene and callahan is walking across this and this is the moment where he sort of figures out that there are um kind of um byways that go from world to world as he walks closer to this he realizes that like things change he uh picks up a newspaper looks at it and then looks at the highway and he's like well at least that highway is the same and then he looks back up again and suddenly the highway is different he kind of describes this car that and he gives weird names for these i apologize guys i don't remember all of the names for the vehicles that he points out but he says it doesn't look like it belongs on the road and and sure enough like it's near the highway, and he thought when the paper it is blew off. a Bandy off, Brooks. A Bandy Brooks, yeah, okay. And this is actually one of the things I was hoping you would uh, pick up the, the slack on, Rachel. Um, there's a number of <laughs> random um, names for different things that he comes across, whether it be names of non-existent presidents 
uh, mm-hmm. vehicles and so on. Are these like Ow. a treasure trove of Stephen King references and links, or is this just a a, a coincidental uh, word mangling that Stephen King is doing? To be fair, I did not look everything up, but I think a lot of these are real world references. But like, like one of the people that ran for president was someone, or one of the people he says was president did actually run, but he, you know, did really poorly and dropped out early. Like, I think he actually is some of this stuff is made up and some of it is real world stuff um, that is just sort of like our world adjacent but i didn't catch any connections but i to be like i said to be fair i did not google like lehman layman lee bluffs lee palisades lake Hork village you know so i don't know but nothing that i saw grab grab my attention yeah so it's it's interesting i'm if anybody knows this answer um or if they can link us to a comprehensive list that would be that would be amazing um <laughs> because you know we do both have day jobs and that's a lot yeah i did spend a a way too long trying to figure out who the ruth was and never got an answer (laughs) so (laughs) so like we follow call him he um wanders into this town basically uh turns out like he spent a lot of time when he was working at home and uh also in his earlier years as like a shorthand cook and um i'm not I should know what a what that means to be a shorthand cook, but I don't understand the reference. Like, or maybe I forgot. A diner it. cook. It's but like a yeah, diner but I mean, cook. like, why yeah. is it shorthand? Like, what is what the what does the shorthand part of shorthand cook stand for? Hmm. I don't really know. Maybe it means like the it has to do with like the kitchen line that it, there really is no. You know what I mean? There isn't like sous chefs and da 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 da. Like it's just like one person. Like you're short all the staffing that you need to run yeah, a kitchen. Yeah, you're short so you're of just... hands. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I realized when I read that, like, oh, I've worked in a bunch of uh, kitchens, and yes, they have always referred to it as shorthand cooks. But then I'm like, what is it? What does that actually mean? And short I probably should have short spent... order cook. Oh, short order cook. Okay. Uh, so is that maybe like French fries and a sandwich as opposed to like a three course meal? I think so. Mm, mm. I mean, okay, so it's an expression in short, rapidly, no fuss. Like, it's, like, I I think it's just sort of, like, basic foods is what a short order cook is. Like, it's not a chef where there's going to be, like, courses and multiple things. Like, it's just little quick meals, kind of, you know, diner food. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, thank you for that answer, Rachel. I looked up the etymology. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, I was just listening to the etymologicon again for the 27th time, and I should know this. Um, uh, So anyway, he he takes his job as a cook. Um, The guy asks him when he, like, first starts, he's like, hey, man, you got any, uh, you know, you got any illnesses or whatever? They call in, basically tells him no. Anything catching, I was like, ooh. It hits a little different in 2022. Yeah, and then he's like, uh, you know, um, and, and you know, you, you drink, and like, Callan's like, yeah, you know, I've been known to, and they like kind of strike up this like conversation that's like camaraderie slash like a little bit of knowing, and Callan even gets a little too drunk with him a couple times, and and works for him for a while, and then we cut to like him staying in this like uh, hotel that's up the street from the restaurant, and the hotel just keeps like. Every morning he wakes up and it has a different name or the money that he's using has a different value or not value, but different face on it. Um, sometimes he finds it reassuring. He kind of knows he's getting closer to his own universe when he wakes up and the blankets are a certain color. Uh, and 
further away when the blankets change color. Uh, but there's almost like this um, resonance with him that he can feel that he's not in his actual uh, universe as he's going. And it's sort of an interesting thing that Stephen King's doing with this. He um, sees signs around as well that are like sort of uh, similar to what was being posted around him. And these are not for him, actually. They're for someone else. And that also is like sparks his interest a little bit because that means that he's not the only one that's um, doing, uh, you know, I guess God's work, question work. Well, he's doing something. There, some people are out. The low men are looking for multiple people. So, and we know that they are agents of the Crimson King. So I'm assuming these are people, whatever, whether it's vampire hunting or something else, they've caught the attention uh, of the Crimson King or his minions, right? They yep. pose some kind of threat, which is interesting because it means that, I mean, they're just these low-level vampires. But even that in and of itself, I think it's less about the vampires themselves than the kind of person who can see them and who can hunt them pose a threat to the Crimson King's agenda. So that, I mean, like, it gives us a little bit, it's subtle, but it gives us a little bit more background. I think that one of the most things, most interesting things about the section as we move forward, we'll talk more about this, is the little bits and pieces that we learn about the the Loman. They're so mysterious and it's such cool Stephen King universe building. Um, before we move much further though, I do want to talk about a few things that we breezed by. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Hopefully you'll touch on the, the vampires kind of closing in and uh, go on. I'll throw it over to you, Rachel. Yeah. Okay. So at the very top of the chapter, it actually starts outside of his recollection. Um, when he's talking to like setting up the story and we find out that like the way that he's telling the story, some of it is text and he's like actually telling the story, but other parts of it in the walk is so short. It's like a five minute walk. And he tells this like, well, we, I listened to the audiobook. It was an hour long. So the <laughs> fact that they listen to it in five minutes um, speaks to the fact that it's being communicated non-verbally and, and they kind of come to this realization that what is happening is that they are sharing Kef, which means that he has joined their quartet, which is important. Like they're basically like, well, I guess he's going to, if we survive this, he's going to go with us. Um, oh, that's funny. I thought that was at the very end when that, when that, it was explained. No, 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 no. It's, at the, <laughs> it's right at the, off the tippy top. And, um, and it's interesting because he says this and it's, it's kind of this illustration of how call works. Like they didn't have a conversation. Like, would you like to join us? They didn't actually have any agency in the decision itself. Like call made this decision. Fate made this decision. And they were just kind of like at the whim of call. Um, and it's, it's sort of echoed in his response as he's going into his story. He says something about, he makes a reference to like, oh, you know, I wasn't in Kansas anymore, which is this callback to the Wizard of Oz, which was such a huge sort of reoccurring theme and like got pretty literal at the end of Wizard and Glass. And it's kind of this illustration of the way that Ka works through both just like, through coincidence particularly, in particular, like it's a way that it sort of shows itself. And it's something that as we go through this chapter, um, Callahan is kind of part of his story he's telling without realizing it is talking about how Ka kind of like took control of his life and mm -hmm. the signposts along the way, especially when we get into like names and stuff later on. The other thing, um, just like as terms of like a character moment, when he's crossing the bridge to head over to this new New Jersey 
um, at first he kind of has this moment of like disorientation. But he accepts it pretty quickly um, that he is in another world because he sees this newspaper, which I loved the headlines, by the way. Like, it starts off normal, but then it's like, President Agnew supports NASA terraform dream. <laughs> I was like, yes, get weird with it. I love it. <laughs> and then there's, like, parts of it that are in Cyrillic, which, you know, would be wild now, and it would have been even more wild in the middle of the Cold War in the 80s. So it's it's kind of like, um, you know, it's it, these are cool little details that I think that King definitely seeded into this this newspaper that the more you think about it the weirder it gets um but despite those kind of moments of disorientation and he decides to go for it and he talks about this feeling of like almost like euphoria for the first time since he bare since the beginning of what happened at salem's lot the first time he did the funeral and he had he's filled with almost like this sense of freedom and endless possibility as these like highways and hiding stretch out before him and you get the sense that he feels like he's escaping this trap, the trap of the low men closing in, the trap of the life that he has. Like everything is closing in on him and in front of him is nothing but open road and possibility. And uh, we'll get I think we'll start, we're definitely going to circle back to that later in the chapter. But I just wanted to note that right off the top. Um, yeah. I, and then as far as world building, there's I think it's pretty it's. I don't know what this means, and I, I'm curious what this is going to mean for the rest of the book because I genuinely don't remember how it all goes. But he is doing this sort of like casual universe traversing. You know, everything up until this point has been like, in order to get from world to world, has like basically had to like rip a hole through the multiverse. And he's just like drifting in and out like it's some sort of like benign thinny. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Is it because he had the vampire blood? Is it, do we need black 13? If he can just like hitch a ride to another universe? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that after all of the buildup we've had about, you know, universe traversal, his is so like chill where he just like wakes up in a new universe the next day and he's like, whatever, I guess it's Washington on the five B BFD. I don't know. I feel like um, so maybe the vampire blood is is something, but to me it more felt like the lack of connection to anybody sort of put him into this like Manny situation where he could just kind of spiritually uh, disconnect from one place to another. And because he wasn't really, he's not really concerned about it. Like, there's no moment when he like looks at something and it's completely different than it's supposed to be for his world that he like panics or even remotely cares. He just takes note and <laughs> continues on like, well, okay, I guess uh, I'm here today. Here, <laughs> there today. Like, well, what will the bills in my wallet say next time? You know? And, and that's a really interesting thing. And it's like kind of spelled out. So he has this, this job cooking and the, the guy he's kind of befriended is like, man, you make, the greatest what was it orange julius or something like that i'm i'm not a food name guy so i've already forgotten and he offers him like 25 bucks to stay on as the shorthand cook and the guy's like no nah, i understand like you got the disease you got the itchy foot disease mm -hmm. and like if it, if you catch that later in life sometimes you can never get a cure for it mm -hmm. he's like uh guys like me you know uh we have it inside of us too but um uh, you know, if you have a, a kid at home and a wife that's interested you more than on just Saturdays, like 
It's <laughs> you just turn the radio up and let the noise drown out that sickness. Jesus. And then like, you know, like he kind of emphasizes that with a bottle tip and he's like, that's the only way I stay sane in this job. And it's, <laughs> it's sort of like this is you, you know, as a guy who's worked in many kitchens, like this stereotype is is pretty real or was at least <laughs> when I was younger. I knew many drinking cooks who, you know, uh, left the younger kids to run the kitchen while they took their afternoon hiatus and slept and drank and then came back a little bit to the wind and- i mean like <laughs> as life goes on i'm like oh i kind of get it. like you'd be like what is wrong with these people and i'm like life is hard need a little <laughs> afternoon a little sippy sip ain't nobody gonna judge you <laughs> so what leads him to leaving though is uh like basically he starts to see vampires show up again and, yep. and that's like his sign that they're like maybe closing in a little bit and you know, uh, the whole roads analogy and walking roads, like when the guy he leaves says, you know, um, you know, if I had a road to walk down, I'd grab my satchel tomorrow and uh, come along with you. And like his internal call hand dialogue is like, if you only had the one road, but I have all the roads. <laughs> and then he like kind of uh, remembers this um, poem from when he was a kid. What was it like? Uh, all all roads go everywhere or something like that oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh oh, roads okay yeah so callahan considers and shakes his head if rutabaker was right uh if if there was only one road maybe he would stay another week another and another but it's not just one it's all of them all of those highways and hidings and he remembers the name of his third grade reader and bursts out laughing it was called roads to everywhere What's so funny? Rudabiker asks sourly. Nothing, Callahan says. Everything. <laughs> and actually, you know, uh, weirdly, because uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once came out at the same time, that, mm. like, struck kind of a chord with me. God, um, the movie's so good. Yeah, the movie's so good, and then, like, this is, like, sort of playing with the same trope of just being able to, like, bounce through anything and any possibility, which is is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then we also one other thing I wanted to mention before we move on is um, you were talking about the time between them walking to the building and uh, uh, leaving where they were sitting before. Um, there's also this like moment where we realize that, yeah, sure, Callahan was gone for five years doing this walk, but five years could have been 20 years, could have been 60 years, could have been forever because the time as he moves from space to space it's sort of like the gunslingers as they walk through their own um, adventures in that mm-hmm. like time lasts as long as it needs to last until it's time for the next thing. And while your time experience is one way, the world and everything else around it could be moving at whatever pace. And mm-hmm. that kind of puts it into a different perspective as well, because, you know, with like Susanna and Eddie and Jake, they all came from different winds. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that you get, like, later on when we run into, like, the street carnival and he's, like, you know, being a, a psychic is that, like, we're kind of bouncing back and forth between some, like, 50s-esque tropes and some, like, 70s and 80s-esque tropes. Mm-hmm. And, and so that that feeling that you get from the different situations just kind of... um makes it seem like time is as as elastic as 
the places he's turned up in. Yeah. I mean, it's also kind of this amazing portrait of just the diversity of America, right? As he's going to all these places, it's almost like, and this is true of, of, you know, you've done a lot of traveling around America. It feels like a hundred countries in one. And I think some of, and sometimes you go, like you joke about how Nebraska is like 10 years behind the West Coast. <laughs> like it is, a, sometimes feels a little bit like time travel when you go to different parts of the country that are harken back to a different era versus like if you go to other places that are really technologically advanced or tech set heavy you know like or less like uh, agricultural all those kinds of things like the united states contains multitudes and this is obviously like a fantastic version of that with like magical roads and everything but i think it it speaks to uh, this oh, this whole section feels a little bit like a love letter to like americana to some degree yeah i kind of wish it was like in an automat or something just like that kind of <laughs> cool one of the one of the things to like add to your comment about the united states being many different countries is if you talk to someone from uh europe or from um you know uh, uh china a lot of the experience that they have with the united states is either a like la seattle or B, New York. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, oh, yeah, I've been to the States a bunch of times, and then they tell you they've been to New York, you're like, well, <laughs> then you really haven't been to anywhere no. in the United States. <laughs> because New York's kind of its own thing. And they're like, oh, yeah. what? And the, that sort of dichotomy is actually true. Um, and then that led me to like think about the fact that I just found a movie from uh, 1999 that was stars Tim Curry. It's called The Pirate of the Plains. Mm, never heard of that. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a weird time travel pirate movie that takes place in Nebraska, but was actually filmed what? in Cape Town. And in order to get wheat fields that look like Nebraska, they actually spent like four months growing wheat on a hundred acres in hell? Cape Town. I'm like googling this. It, this looks wild. Yeah, it's uh it's free on Tubi, so go check it out um (laughs) this looks insane because i was looking for that tim curry pirate movie where he's like in the muppets oh Uh, yeah i don't remember what it is like treasure island or something like that yeah yeah yeah. and and so i searched like tim curry pirate movie and instead this came up and you're like where did this fever dream come from it looks like a fever dream and then it turns out it was sitting on a couch in a full like pirate regalia yeah yeah and it was filmed by um uh none other than uh ernest t ward's like production company back in 1999 when he was doing like Er ernest scared stupid and like wild you know ernest goes to camp and all those and whichever version of like Airbud. <laughs> uh, that is wild. Well, folks, there you go. A little non sequitur for you. Check out Tubi. <laughs> All right. So, bringing it back around, um, we start basically like shuffling cards as Callahan moves from job to job. Yeah. So, he wanders the country. He scores this job as a grave digger. And um, he's working with this like older guy who's like kind of checking out <laughs> a, a high school girl Ugh. who's sitting on the fence. <laughs> being a little internal pervy and later on the girl tries to make a move on callahan and he stabs her in the neck and the guy doesn't even notice when her clothes disappear into a pile on the ground and she's gone for good um he again starts to see more and more of these missing pet signs with little notes that say like 
you know, call here and uh, um, dial this number. And after the beep, we'll give you, you know, inf- more information. And like mm-hmm. realizing that that network isn't just pointed at him. It's pointed at um, uh, what was the the one was like, a, she's wild and crazy. <laughs> give Chinese us a call. cat. She, yeah, she's loud and uh, rude. And will she be loud and crazy once they find her? <laughs> No, no. Like Lost it. Siamese cat, two years old. Answers to the name of Ruda. Uh, I thought it was Ruth in my head. Sorry, Ruda. She is noisy but full of fun. Large award offered. I'm kind of curious, like what happens if you dial seven six four? I don't know. It probably is like the the call before you dig number or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So we kind of have this montage of of him wandering the country still, and we get this moment where he's like walking down a highway. And he gets kind of um, kind of the shine and sort of feels like there he hears might be. the chimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And here's the chimes. And he feels like the low men might be coming his way. And so he just runs and ducks behind a bush. And as he ducks behind the bush, um, he realizes that, like, he's shifting universes again. And that's how he ends up avoiding these guys that are in a, a Cadillac. And there's three cars, I think, mentioned specifically associated with the low men. And I wanted to ask you about that too, Rachel. Is this like, uh, like I know Stephen King has a book called Cadillac. Um, mm. are, are some of the other ones links to possibly like the low men and the vehicles specifically, or is this just a coincidence? So this one is white over red Cadillac. Um, and then he describes some of the cars, right? Yes. Um, and what I think it points out less so than like specific models is that they are driving around in these like very over the top, brightly colored, very uh, conspicuous cars. Like they're a purple Mercedes and a red Cadillac and they're wearing these long coats and these weird oversized hats. It's they stand out so much in the crowd and yet nobody seems to notice them. It's kind of what I took away from it was that they're these strange uncanny characters that people just seem to look away from i think is interesting okay yeah um so uh, i guess that doesn't answer any of my questions about the. i mean i don't know specifically if each of the models of the car connects to something (laughs) but like i think it was more about how flashy they are because they're like mercedes and cadillacs and like high-end vehicles in bright colors that's the thing that stood out to me I, I don't know anything about cars, so. Yeah, I mean, me neither. I mean, they're the fact that they're cars I've heard of, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're fancy. Well, I, I had someone show up at my house for Craigslist, and they were driving a Mercedes. I'm like, ooh, you got a nice car. And they're like, this thing? And they're like, this might have, Mercedes might have been a nice brand in the in the 90s, but now it's like your grandma's car. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> that true i mean i think it depends on the model you know what oh, i mean like okay. i think there's like really nice i mean because like people will say it like and be like oh it's a you know s500 like they'll say it in a way that you're like oh mm-hmm. no the those numbers are important tell me i should be nodding my head appreciatively but i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> um so when he gets out from behind the bush there's one other thing that's pretty important that happens is he kind of gets picked up by a farmer um, this African-American farmer, like, did just finished listening to NPR and wants to engage him in a conversation about, like, national news <sighs> and what's going on. This is troubling and problematic. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to duck here. away from the <laughs> the other references and, and just yeah, focus it on that. I don't but love it. Then there's that moment where, like, 
he's like, hey, man, here's five bucks. And like Colin's like, I don't need your money, man. He's like, oh, yeah, travelers always need their money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's always unforeseen things that are going to happen. And as soon as he said that, it like lit a light in my head. And I was yeah, like, I love oh. your theory because I did not pick up on this traveler. Right. And, you know, so this makes you go right back to what's his name in uh, the talisman. Right. Speedy. Traveling Joe. Or, or, tra- is it traveling Joe or traveling or is it Petey? Speedy Parker. That kind of sits in a good spot because like if you get through the second book in the talisman, it really leans heavily into the Dark Tower series. No spoilers mm-hmm. included there, just a FYI for something to absorb. Uh, and, and so it would make perfect sense that, um, you know, a man who who defends worlds from the twinner side to the other side would possibly recognize a fellow traveler, so mm-hmm. to speak. I like it. <clears throat> yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, this section is interesting. I there's this whole it starts off with this whole montage, right, of all the things that he's doing. Like we we spent a little time with him as a cook. We spent a little time with him as a grave digger. But then this like it kind of flashes forward 5 years and in the and we get this very cinematic montage of picking oranges in Florida, pushing a broom in New Orleans, mucking out horse stalls in Lufkin, Texas, handing out real estate brochures on the street corners of Phoenix, Arizona, working jobs that pay cash. Like you really, you can see him as he's crossing the country. Um, he says the faces on the currency don't matter. What matters is the light at the sight of a weather vane against the violent pink, violent pink sunset, the sounds of his heels on the empty road in Utah, the sound of the wind in New Mexico, in the New Mexico desert, the sight of a child skipping rope beside a junked out Chevrolet Caprice in Fossil, Oregon. What matters is the whine of the power lines beside the uh, Highway 50 of West Elko, Nevada, and the dead crow in the ditch outside Ra- Rain Barrel Springs. Like, sometimes he gets dr- sometimes he's sober, sometimes he gets drunk. And like, it's this whole, you get this in a, a series of descriptions of places he's going, you really can like almost it paints such a picture in your head of all of these things that he's doing and the life that he leads for almost ha- for half a decade. He just wanders and, and is this kind of vagabond that is just traveling around the world, dipping in and out of 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 life. And like it's almost in some ways like being drunk, you know, like it's just this time doesn't really seem to make sense like you kind of come in and out of consciousness like he's basically in some ways replicated what it is to be drunk throughout his entire life whether he's sober or not like he's he is touches briefly touches the world but for the most part is pretty disconnected and solitary it's just it's just a really cool interesting um montage in my opinion don't forget he was a psychic at a at a carnival that's, I mean, yeah, I love those moments. Like, can't you kind of see this if this were put to film at some point? I feel like I'm, in the back of my head, I was going like, I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere, everywhere. man. That song slaps. I right? love Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, so it's it's an interesting travel experience. Um, if you do nothing for this chapter just go through that little montage and like it's kind of an interesting uh slice of the united states in ways that are more migratory and even to the point where like he ends up on a crew later and like he's denotes for the not the first time that he's the only caucasian working on this crew Mm -hmm. it's interesting that he set out on this 
following the loss of Lupe and how he was like so driven by that experience. But when he gets out on the road, he kind of disconnects from that mission and is, is a very casual vampire hunter. Like he's a vampire hunter of convenience more so than of like someone who was like actually driven by something. And I think when we get into the end, like later part of this chapter, I know we're getting there pretty quick here. Like you can definitely see how he's sort of checked out. You know what I mean? Like he really is sort of disconnecting from who he is, even in the way that he's approaching what, what at one point felt almost like his next sort of holy mission, which was to kill these vampires. Like he's just kind of like drifting through that as well. Um, well, there's yeah. actually a moment when he's like, on one of these like little sections and walking down the road where he kind of mentions that you know he's dragging his cage with him as he goes yes and like staying ahead of the closing trap that's always around him Um, yes and so he's even talking about like you know he finds joy in this one place and like even sings a song he gets too drunk in this other place and like almost dies and these little moments are him like and sort of his description of it is that like even in a cage you can enjoy yourself yeah okay so let's get into a little bit about that so yeah so in this section he also as he's talking about this like having itchy foot and this montage of all the places that he went like he looks to eddie at one point and talks about like the addictive nature of the road and he's like you know wandering is the most addictive thing ever and but while he looks at Eddie, it's actually Roland who responds and says, wandering is the most addictive drug there is, I think. And uh, and every hidden road leads to a dozen more, which actually kind of makes perfect sense, knowing that this is the man who has literally spent at least a thousand years wandering, right? Right. It's also kind of this reminder of the architect of, archetype of Roland. You know, he was initially inspired as this... Uh, Clint Eastwood like character but more specifically the spaghetti western where he's the cowboy with no name right you know mm-hmm. like your high plains drifter your uh, good bad and the ugly all of those right and and it's it's of course of course his addiction in addition to the tower is wanderlust he can really connect with this especially you know like he's coming to the end of this journey I would imagine like some of this, some of that call, like what if you just gave into that wanderlust, what would it be like? And Callahan is here in front of him as both this cautionary tale of what it would, you know, what giving into that addiction, that desire can turn into that. It becomes almost just like this fugue of following the road. Um, But he also is this interestingly inspirational character because we see him here when we when we meet callahan he's actually managed to put down roots and become like an integral and important and respected part of the community so callahan's a really interesting kind of mirror for for roland i think oh and you know if the uh the feeling that they got at the beginning of the chapter is to be believed you know he could be part of their life for a while yes i mean i can't remember (laughs) I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember how, how much Callahan figures into the last three books, but, um, I do think it's, I do think it's interesting, right? That everybody in the, in this quartet kind of in some ways is a mirror for Roland, um, that he would be this part aspect of him is interesting. Um, you also talked about the trap and at the beginning of the chapter, I said, we were going to like talk about this later, but he, when he first gets across the bridge, 
he has this moment of just like like i said almost like euphoria and this sense of freedom and this this idea that he's escaping this trap that's being laid for him by the low men. Mm-hmm. But in here we find out, you know, here he is five years into his adventure and it kind of bookends that section because we, you know, we realize that even though he may have escaped the trap that was being set by the low men, he can't escape the trap of himself. So I pulled this quote. He says, sometimes he asks himself what he thinks he's doing, where the hell he's going. And such questions are apt to send him in search of the next bottle in a hurry. Because he's not really going anywhere. He's just following the highways and hiding and digging his trap, dragging his trap along behind him. He's just listening to the call of those roads and going from one to the next. And and I think, yeah, you can only avoid your problem for so long if you are your own problem. You can't run from them. It's going to it's not the house. It's not the house. It's haunted. It's you. Right. <laughs> and and I think, he, you know, when he set out on this journey, he thought he had found an escape hatch, but he's coming to realize that there's no escape if he doesn't deal with what of the you know the trap that he's created for himself. Life is a is a highway. And <laughs> I want to ride it all night long. How long? How long, DJ? All night long. All night long. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. So, uh, bringing it back, there is one more like um, job story that we need to tell um, to oh. bring us all the way back around. And that is uh, one day, uh, Colin, after doing all these other jobs, he gets a job. Uh, well, he basically like has like an internal dialogue about jobs in general, like saying that they're they're sort of like apples falling from a tree. They're always there. You just have to be willing to get dirty and do stuff that other people are interested in doing to to get those jobs. And so he's never really had a trouble with that. And he finds this like cushy job with like a mattress king of some kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that generic mattress store story that you've known in in every city in met- metropolitan area where it's like crazy joe's uh giant you know whatever <laughs> emporium and like he's gone mad with sales and like they're having some kind of like crazy sale and their job is to move in these beds and these uh king size queen size beds into the showroom floor to get everything going to get the sale on and as he takes his lunch break he's out there with some Hispanic folks, uh, noting that he's the only white guy, they're kind of doing a little dance and singing and eating, and everybody's kind of clapping. And this white lady comes out and is like, "Are you Caucasian?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Well, then this is what you need. Those guys couldn't do anything with it anyway." And it's like sort of rude and shitty. And she tosses uh, him. Piece yeah, of yeah, shit? exactly. Is that what you're trying to get? Yeah, at? that's what I'm trying to get at. And she uh, tosses him the paper and like. Real and like she uh uses a derogatory slur towards the Hispanic folks that are working with him, and like he almost gets it in his mind to go up and like whack her upside the head, but then he'd get fired from the job and he wouldn't get paid. Uh, and so instead, he just gives her the bird, and the rest of the the folks kind of like clap and cheer him on, and she storms off upset. And he grabs the newspaper, and lo and behold, um, it's our I don't. Know, I almost said buddies, but they're not buddies. They're shitty people. Um, it's the Hitler brothers, and yeah. they have struck again. Um, they have hit home, so to yeah. speak, yeah. and uh, attacked. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> and attacked the um, founder of the institution um, and put him in the hospital. And then come to find out that home, while he's been gone for these quote-unquote five years, has gained national notoriety in the fact that... Um, know uh someone what was it mother uh, Teresa. Sis, mother Teresa. Uh-huh. yeah it was like someone from the catholic church that's high up not the pope 
showed up and like helped girl serve food. pope showed up yeah girl pope showed up i don't know what that ranking system looks like um you know, you're gonna have to tell me which lands and magic cards she uses uh, but... sorry um but uh yeah so that is kind of like escalator not escalated um kind of a floated up home in the national uh zeitgeist as being like a premier place that helps folks mm-hmm. that are down and out and you know addicted to drugs and alcohol and so on and the founder landing in jail immediately strike or landing in hospital um immediately strikes Callahan to like leave anyway so he could have like whacked that lady upside the head mm-hmm. <laughs> like doesn't collect his last paycheck has like i guess uh some safety money sewed into the bottom of his backpack and immediately goes to find a flight back to New York so he can go um, check on his former friend and and uh, uh, bring him back around. And we get like a, a almost a immediate pause on the story as Rosalita runs up to let him know that the twins have finished up their map. Mm-hmm. And that's like an important enough moment to sort of cut off the story. And like then we're back in the regular world, and um, they're talking, and like basically they mentioned that, or Roland mentions that like Jake will be along shortly, and uh, Susanna is like kind of talking about Black Thirteen, but also, you know, we get kind of like the shadow talk of like I don't want her to touch it or get too close to it because it might energize mm-hmm. her. And like Eddie sort of yeah. thinks that it might, you know, actually help by getting rid of the baby. But uh, yeah, um, so uh, that's weird. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm I'm trying to get this, but this all sort of jumbles together for me, Rachel. Well, so she okay. So at this point, there's that they have the side chat, and then they talk to the twins who ha- give them the map. Yep, yeah. And then the, the twins when they get the when they hand in the map, like. They're kind of like shaken up by it to the point where one of the kids is like, I couldn't do the finishing details because my hands were shaking too much. And they look at the map and this map is like, it's beautiful. They've done a, an amazing job. And for a second, like the twins are, you're kind of afraid that Roland's not going to be into it. And then he's like, no, th- he's like, do you know what blasphemy is? <laughs> and like the kids like look very solemn. They're like, you say the wrong thing about Jesus. And also <laughs> when you, uh, you know, um, uh, do something like inappropriate with something else and yeah, ruin uh, something beautiful essentially yeah, ru- yeah. yeah exactly and uh, uh <laughs> so that, that's kind of a moment and roland's like this map uh, will save many lives and possibly our own and like the kids are almost in tears with mm-hmm. this moment and then um roland like folds it up and tells him like this is a tool that will you know help us to battle the wolves and then like I guess it's a side chat again where he's like, you know, one of those kids could be gone and lose his brilliance. They're like, yeah, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, there's this great sort of metaphor that happens here where he takes each of their hands. He says, you know, one normal hand and one diminished hand. And it's like this uh, and tells them, you know, he took Francine's hand at his left and Frank in his diminished right. You may have saved lives with your hands and eyes. So, like, there's two things going here. There's, like, this really gr- amazing metaphor that of, you know, one whole hand and one diminished hand. One of these chi- children, if they fail, one of these children will come back diminished. Mm-hmm. One of them will be whole. 
Oh, I guess I didn't put that together. That's good. Yeah, it's a great metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the other thing he says is your hands and your eyes will have saved people, which, of course, is a reference to the gunslinger credo, right? You know, I aim with my hands, not, you know, like that whole, I don't know it all off the top of my head, but those are references specifically eyes and hands are the things that you use um, that, that he's referencing here. Like it's a different kind of gunslinging essentially that they've done with the, with this incredible map that they've created. We also, and it, just, it oh, reinforces the stakes, right? Because they're these beautiful children, these wonderful children. And if they fail, they will feel one of these children. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we also kind of uh, find out about the rest of the folks in town. They apparently don't worship. Don't all, all of them don't worship um, the God of Callahan. They worship. Um, I forget what her name is, but she's like the God of rice or something like that. Yeah. Oriza, the, the goddess of rice. Okay. I and is, I didn't know I if think. that was like Latin for rice. I'm just going to go with what you said. Cause I hope that's right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. But, uh, okay. Uh, um, and and then, Oh, rise a lady, lady rice, lady rice. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, I knew it was, it had a, like a Latin or maybe Italian name, but I, I just didn't know. Um, and so there's that moment that I I mentioned where they discuss like, what about Suze? And like, Suze is like, no, I'll just sunbathe out here guys. And like it clicks because you mentioned the, um, the lady of rice and that the other guys won't come in because they're not, you know, this type of religion and Mm -hmm. it's a holy place. So she probably couldn't go in anyway because of the unholy baby that's growing inside her. We also get this moment where as they enter to the church, Callahan like touches the holy water and they comment on the fact that like, you know, has not, that nothing happened. You didn't get like shocked or zapped or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, Callahan's like, uh, yeah, I've pr- provisionally been accepted back into the church. Yeah. Yep, on a trial basis. On yep. a trial basis, and it's like yep. that was kind of like I had to stop and smirk and like kind of laugh for a second because like <laughs> it's it's sort of like a, a fun thing. And then like you almost wonder like does that mean that he no longer sees the vampires running around, or like his running and possibly killing the van- vampires was like enough penance for the things that he's done in the past he must do something you know like in this last bit of the story that we haven't heard he must do something to be back in the like at least provisionally in the good graces exactly and like Mm -hmm. leaving off that section in new york it probably means that we have yet another chapter of callahan history stop it (laughs) (laughs) um so the the other thing to note is that um the black 13 is also wrapped up um, he does, doesn't know why, but he felt like it needed to be covered and wrapped up. And this is um, also kind of indicative of what happened to the pink ball that we ran into. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. It's such a th- callback to like her little secret hidey hole in her room. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And the, uh-huh. the other reason I kind of and I wanted to talk to you about this and actually ask is ra- wrapping the ball up. Um, it's not just that like you, the ball can you sort of got the feeling that these are all like sentient in a way and oh, being yeah. able to see out and around allows them to create even more mischief than they can just be packed away. But also it's a isolation of it from the holy place that it's been hidden in, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like is a self-protecting thing for it as well. And maybe the need to put it into a covering and store it in the church was part of, um callahan's uh almost communing with the ball a little bit um but Mm -hmm. then i also 
kind of want to swing from that all the way back to uh, what three, four chapters ago when we first find out about Black Thirteen being in the church and how that has diminished the value and the power of the church as a mm. whole. And and so what I'm getting at here is like he was able to dip his hand in the holy water, but is part of the provisional acceptance of him being back in the church is that also the ball has diminished the power of the church in said mm. respects. And I don't know what the answer is, but it sort of seemed like a double edged sword with, um, with that particular topic, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's the line in here where they're saying like, you know, it could be that, it, it, he, uh, Roland doesn't understand how like people don't notice this hum, this like absence, mm-hmm. the sense of absence that is present in the church. Um, but he was saying that it could be a situation where like the simple faith of the people who are going there may actually, in some ways, like uh, be a, a almost like a prophylactic against it. You know what I mean? That it makes it sleepier, it makes it less. It dozes deeper when they're simple when it's surrounded by their simple faith. I that's a theory that he floats, but I don't know how much stock we should put into it. Now, uh, the other thing uh, that's of note is that um, there's like some symbols on the thing that's that's surrounding the uh, the ball, um, and I think those are important mm-hmm. too. It, wasn't it like uh, it was like I want to say a, like a rose and then a, a door, and it's like basically. So it's a, a rose, a stone, and a door. And I was like, a stone? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to ask you. What's what's this? I mean, the is stone? the stone the ball? Oh, yeah, maybe. That's what I. That was the only thing I could come up with because my notes say a stone question mark question mark. <laughs> um, but I think may as what we're talking this through, that's when it first occurred to me that maybe the stone is the ball itself. But I don't know. Okay, and then the other thing I was going to ask you, is there any significance to Ironwood? Because I don't know what Ironwood is. Uh, so I tried to look up because they were like, oh, it's Ghostwood in my tales. I couldn't find anything about it. I found some like bands named Ghostwood, <laughs> but I don't think that's what he's referring to. Of course, they're like to. a postmodern rock band or like a goth band. Like, I mean, I'm wondering if I just didn't find it, but it is actually a reference from the the like Arthurian tales, which is be just us linking Arthur Eld back to those same tales. Oh, okay, okay. And then the last question I had in there, like when Roland's... although I guess Ironwood is interesting because, like, if you think about like Fey mythology, iron oh, is like a protective okay. kind of. It's like a metal you can use against the Fey. I wonder if maybe there's so some it, like of that. protects against magic or something. So it'd be yeah. like putting it in like an iron box. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll buy that. And then okay. the last thing I wanted to throw at you before I just turn this over to you to fill in <laughs> all my gaps that I've left is um, uh, <laughs> call or I'm a uh, uh, is it Roland or Callahan that mentions it like this sort of reminds him of some other thing that's called like the the homeward um, god or something like that. Does that sound right? I, Okay, so yeah, it's called Look Homeward Angel, a story go. of a buried life. So I looked it up to try to see like what the like what the connection is. And it's essentially as far as I could tell, it just is a quote in the book, which it which is uh, a leaf, a stone and a door. Uh it is a it is basically like a semi autobiographical coming of age tale uh, from the nineteen <laughs> twenties by okay. Thomas Wolfe about this i mean it's it's, it's wait about thomas wolf thomas wolf that um, does that ring oh, that's interesting does Wolves, that ring a thomas bell to you wolf? oh i didn't think about it but you're right 
Yes. We had Speedy earlier. Now we have Thomas Wolf. Mm, and also, like, we're dealing with the wolves of Kala. Mm-hmm. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Okay, so, like, it's about basically him growing up and, like, essentially leaving home and hitting the road at 19, I guess. Okay, so, I mean, there's like, another there's... significant number. Yeah, I mean, I oh, 19... I didn't even think about it. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You're like giving me all these. I thought you were doing this as like a funsies. Like you're just tossing me like softballs and I'm like knocking them out. We basically leave on this hanging cliffhanger of Black 13. And when is he going to take it? And like Roland just says soon. And then in his heart he says too soon. Dun, dun, dun. The other one last thing I think we got to touch on here. Um, well, two things. First of all, Roland comes to a realization that what was happening to him in the Golgotha in the first book was that he essentially went toe dash. That what he experienced when he went through all of those worlds and all throughout time was him going toe dash. And so it makes you wonder like how Walter pulled that off. Um, did he also have possession of Black 13 at some point? Because we know oh, he had he yeah. had possession of of the pink one because you know he was he had given it for safe safekeeping with uh meat or no what was her name the witch why am I oh blanking? um not Mia <laughs> I don't uh, you want to say Mia yeah you want to say well, Mia but it's like um it's not Mia it's uh I don't know it's escaping me too right now um, yeah and once you said Mia then like I can't shake Mia out of my head I'm just like no no the witch Mia. Rhea, 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 Rhea of the Coos. So yes, Rhea of the Coos. So it made me wonder, like, did he have Black 13? And if so, did he, in the same way that he kind of put the pink uh, glass in Roland's way, is he also putting the Black 13 in his way? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's worthy of wondering, at the very least, worthy of questioning. I don't know. The other thing we learned about the the black 13 is that it is almost like the anti-rose right whereas they there's a similar kind of hum that you feel in your bones but whereas there was a universe of possibility and everything amazing and beautiful inside the rose there is almost like a black hole of nothingness sucking all of like the dark like uh, that's why it's like black 13 essentially like it sucks all the light you know the Mm -hmm. gravity of it is so strong which I think is interesting if we think about this as the anti-rose that they're about to use. Um, yeah. Roland's unexpected fear in this situation, like his almost superstitious fear, also I think is a good way of kind of illustrating just how dangerous this thing is. There's a couple of kind of creepy moments in here where he's thinking about like, oh God, I hope it doesn't wake, that this hum could turn into a voice and that this voice could send me to the end of the earth like he has no real control in the situation uh it's it's good it's just good and creepy stephen kingy goodness all right any other thoughts before this before we get into our final thoughts uh i think we got everything um thank you rachel for filling in the gaps in my uh <laughs> i tried <laughs> i was leaning on you and you're like you're on your own i was like oh shit <laughs> well there's a bunch of stuff i latched onto but like the yeah. problem is is you know more about stephen king universe than i do so when okay. I latch onto it, I'm like, oh, Rachel will know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what mental did you think? checkbook, make it. <laughs> All right. Well, overall, what do you think of this chapter? Um, So this is one of those things where, like, I know there's a lot of cool information and stuff that I, I learned. But also, um, I often get confused with things like this because it doesn't feel like it's actually chronological in yeah. a way that it should be. 
it's very dreamy yeah exactly and so like there's highlights but like like you said it's sort of a a drunken swerve back and forth from place to place uh i like it but i'm kind of ready to move on with the story we've gotten a lot of callahan so far um to the point where it's like man (laughs) yeah and like normally like what we get with these types of characters is Stephen King will spread out their stories over the course of many books or in the case of Roland, just like create an entire book out of it. Yeah. But yeah. like with Callahan, he's like, no, 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 um, no breaks for you. We're just going to shove this all into like three congruent or four congruent chapters. Like, congratulations, Merry Christmas. And, <laughs> and so I, I don't know. I mean, that's not bad per se, but like you just, gave us some juicy treats of a big story and then you're like and pause how about yeah. we drink water by the water cooler for like 45 minutes and chill out yeah yeah i know what you mean this is a very much a slow burn um i do find callhan largely to be an interesting character um but i i'm ready to get back to the the main plot at hand like i think we've got at least one more back background chapter i'm hoping it's just the one the next episode chapter is called Gray Dick, which uh, is troubling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I feel like there's some really cool moments in this. Like everything about the low men was fascinating to me. The stuff at the end in the church with Black 13 was great. All that kind of stuff. The the character stuff around the tension in the quartet is really interesting. Um, but I am kind of like, okay, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to move back to the A plot. All right, so for those of you who are playing along at home, the next episode we are going to be covering uh, Part 2, Telling Tales, Chapter 5, The Tale of Grey Dick. Which <laughs> Grey Dick? Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a person, but like also sounds like vampire peen but whatever <laughs> whatever not Does it judging. sparkle a question mark <laughs> all right cool so um i did not catch any stephen king universe connections although i did really try if i missed some though you can always let me know i always want to know um there's no real stephen king uh, dark tower news this week so we can move past that i will say um like i said if i did miss anything though connection wise because there was so many like little minute details it of course could have been connections for people who are you know better at hunting all the little connections down please let me know you can always email us at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com that's g-r-r-l-z.com uh or you can come over on the facebook group and and talk with us there we're always hanging around on there Uh, it's also where we do our uh every episode we do a listener question so let's get into that um okay so this one was we were talking about how callahan had his he's got a baby's got a brand new bag right he's now he went from being a priest to uh, an unhomed gentleman to now he is a vampire hunter and that, of course, got me wondering, if you were a vampire hunter, what would you want to listen to when you were out staking vamps? We need to make a playlist. So I've asked you guys, I've asked you, DJ, and once we get all these together, I'm going to go ahead and actually make a vampire hunting playlist. So if you want to listen to it, it will be on Spotify. I will put the link in the show notes as well as on the Facebook group if you guys want to add that to your Spotify rotation. But let's start with you, DJ. What song... Or songs, because I have a few. 
you can do as many as you want or just one if there's just like the perfect song uh would you want to stake some vampies too i feel like the real weird but obvious one for me is like that song from greece like where it's like the obvious one from greece yeah you know it's like it's electrifying you know like that feels like grease lightning yep exactly like it's like that i like imagine like you almost imagine like a quentin tarantino scene where like the guy with the stakes is like sort of doing a little dance and he's got his headphones on and like he's like you're the one that i love and then stab 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 you're the one that i love okay so wait you wanna you actually want like some sort of like grease supercut because those are two different songs yeah i know exactly but like i i'm putting them together because i don't care okay so uh, the grease soundtrack is what you're saying yeah yeah and then uh you know of course like um i I don't know why i'm sticking with lightning but like thunderstruck also feels like a a fun it's acdc and like well it's not my normal taste in music i feel like if i were going to hunt vampires the amount of leather i would need to wear would be in (laughs) in chance in line with an acdc song or two okay thunderstruck okay grease lightning okay i'm just writing these down because i have to put these on the spotify lightning (laughs) and you're the one that i want from grease and then the weird one that came to mind immediately is for some reason i went to wesley snipes of course he's i mean he's the premier vampire hunter. yeah you know and then like i was like if i were wesley snipes what would i want to listen to and like and i don't know what's wrong with my mind but i went right to like um you gotta bag it bag it up i like the way you work it yo diggity yo diggity okay (laughs) he's like then i was like picturing wesley snipes like he just gets done doing an infomercial for like you know peloton or something come on and then he like walks out and like you know all leather and like has his like knives strapped to his chest and his like guns Mm -hmm. and he's like just shooting vampires and like it's slow motion he's like yo diggity pushes his sunglasses up gotta bag him bag him up okay you know what you're selling me on it at first i was like no but now the bag him up is uh yeah yeah i like it i like and it you get like little remember in the music video where i had little penny you have like <laughs> little wesley snipes like the puppet like just hanging out on the side like singing the songs too <laughs> i'm very excited about the new blade movie by the way i saw like a little they showed like a little tiny bit at comic-con uh not they didn't show a little bit but they teased it and you go think- wesley well, it's not gonna be wesley oh is it not wesley no it's gonna be mahershala ali oh i think he's gonna be a great blade but are they gonna at least have like wesley snipes is like they've got it right like like yeah if he could be in the like chris christopherson role that would be amazing yeah i mean you kind of maybe i'm wrong but it feels like you can't really divorce him from that I mean, franchise other than the tax yeah. issues like and oh <laughs> all right so i have a few songs i picked first i picked one that would be kind of like creepy and ironic which is of course tiptoe through the tulips by tiny tim okay yeah i mean i can see blood right? splashing with that right and then i was like okay but i gotta get a little goth with it so my next pick was uh bella lugosi's dead by Bauhaus. <laughs> that song is so good like i love that song unironically i know it's not like I know the goths probably frown on me for not being true goth, but I love that song. Plus, it's also in um, The Hunger, you know what I mean? Vampire movie. And then my last one for when, like, shit is really going down, like, maybe I'm in The Hive or the... Do they live in hives? Yeah, right? Like, Vampire Hive? That's a thing. I was thinking a little Pantera, (laughs) fucking hostile. 
Yeah? No? Maybe? I mean... I, I'm I, a Pantera apologist. I'm just going to put that... It, like, I'm the right exact age to like Pantera, and, like, they're terrible. I know. But, like, when you put on vulgar display of uh, uh, power, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be headbanging. Sorry. Sorry about it. I know it's bro metal, but I don't care. I love it. <laughs> well, I kind of strayed away from the darker stuff because I was like, I my mind went right to like Fugazi when I started. I was like, uh-huh. waiting room would be a perfect like, you know, vampire killing song. But like, that's it's a little too um, too dark. And then like, Fugazi I was like, room. what about David Bowie's like, I'm afraid of Americans. Ooh, that's a good one. But like, then like that one too is like very specific you know and like i I don't know it felt like it was too on point and so then i i kind of went towards musical instead see now i feel like we need a nine inch nails song on here oh yeah yeah yeah, Um, what's a good what's a good vampire hunting nine inch let's see uh well if you um hold on let me find the name of the song there's one that's like um just like a, a noise machine with like a heavy drums coming in it's like so you like the part of the 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 nine inch nails catalog that's like deep deep um industrial right uh, I, like, I actually love a lot of the new albums that Matt see, i like i like the really like head like a whole era where it's like it, like there's definitely industrial touches but it's not like we have not just turned into a noise machine at this point like i think the album after um the downward spiral that one on it was like a little too it was a little too skinny puppy adjacent for me i was like i need i need i don't know so there's an album like probably 2009 or 10 it was like after the album that was like with teeth which is probably the one you were talking yeah with about. teeth is the one where i was like yeah and there's um, is it like year zero or something yeah year zero is the album i'm talking about and there's a couple of of bangers on there there's one that's called uh capital g which is like maybe a little too um too too that kind of sound for you but there's mm-hmm. an earlier one on there called like i think it's called generator or something i'm looking for the track right now um uh it's called hyperpower and it has no lyrics at all it's just like this like uh, almost you know in um in uh the um the fragile where they mm-hmm. have that like a couple of tracks where it's just like noise with like big drums going behind it okay so what is it called nine channels uh oh uh which song are, are you talking about the, the one you one? want me to put on here oh uh it's uh i believe it's called hyperpower let me hyperpower okay i am going to also add a nine channel songs but i'm going with wish from Bur- the broken album I mean, honestly, if you ask for any um, Nine Inch Nails song to be put on anything, it ought to be the perfect drug. But <laughs> oh wow! See, wait, I think because I'm a few years older than you, like my Nine Inch Nails skews like in a different direction. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I like the er. I mean, I was like an OG fan. I like the early stuff. Well, no, I love like Pretty Hate Machine, like. I yeah. I've listened to Ring Finger to the point where Matt, Matt doesn't want to ever hear that song again. Pretty Hate Machine is such a great album. Yeah, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's like this dude just got stuck in a a room with like two types of synthesizers and a drum machine and was like, "I'm gonna pour my heart into this." Is and... there a better band to listen to when you are like at your peak hormonal stage in life than than anything like pre closer? 
uh nine inch nails um, it's all just like emo 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 <laughs> i don't i i would say like it depends on what kind of emo you are like the cure definitely has some yeah, albums that yeah, could have yeah, like fair. easily fair. fallen into that category i mean i definitely listen to a lot of too yeah i'm not a huge morrissey fan oh, but like God. i'm morrissey the person is terrible but more i do fucking love morrissey music i can't help it but like some old like panty waist division or some like no effects so long and thanks for all the shoes if you're more punk oriented mm-hmm, if you go mm-hmm. like the spiritual enlightened punk kid you would probably like lean towards uh pennywise and like bro him and that whole album uh-huh, which uh-huh. is just like god i have not thought about pennywise in a decade just a bunch of like almost douchebags but not quite holding up lighters and like someone just playing a lot of bass oh my god. sorry if you like bro him it's okay no, 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 it's fine it's um, fine uh, i'm trying to think of like a lot of the grunge stuff there were a lot of things that you could sample from in that era of like nirvana and soundgarden that would also Mm -hmm. fit the bill because like super super unknown um is just like front to back an amazing dark album about like i've fallen on black days and like black heart sun (laughs) and like that's like it's not as fast paced as nine inch nails but it's also darker in a way than a lot Mm -hmm. of the nine inch nails stuff and deeper in thinking than uh you know pretty hate machine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and maybe i'm just speaking to the choir here but uh no no no. i mean yeah i here's the thing is i can geek out about like 90s music with you all day i mean i'm just like i can see i'm going down the rabbit hole okay <laughs> right. okay well, well uh, right, that's enough song into... ads from us so maybe we need to oh, go yeah. visit the uh users yes okay users. so we did get some great answers so let's see here let's take a look all right. So first up is Brigitte or Bridget. Um, I apologize. I know I like I'm hoping I got it. One of those two. Right. I got a 50 50 shot. Right. So correct me, please, because I would like to say your name correctly. Um, she went with Closer by Kings of Leon. Uh, it's very dark and sexy. I can visualize it being playing or visualize it playing while hunting vampires. The le- lyrics just fit. Driven by the struggle of vain. Showing no mercy, I'd do it again. Open your eyes. You keep on crying, baby. I'll bleed you dry. Skies are blinking at me. I see a storm bubbling up from the sea. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know the song, but I'm going to pull it up on YouTube right now because I want to hear it. But the based on lyrics alone, yeah, I'm into it. What do you think? Are you familiar with the Kings of Leon? Um, I have listened to a little bit of Kings of Leon. Um, That particular song is not ringing a bell to me. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm kind of listening to it right now. It has kind of like a kind of a slow sort of dreamy kind of vibe. I want to say I bit of industrial. I saw them with um uh was it blonde redhead? Mm. Um at some point in my life, but I might be full of crap. <laughs> All right, so John, who I believe is a drummer, so he knows from music unlike myself. Um he said he would go with Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. I hear it playing as uh, they're in the background. I can hear it playing there in the background as I'm stabbing the bloodsuckers through the heart. It's just uh, in the background, Rob Zombie's wife is dancing. <laughs> right. No, she's just cast as all of the vampires. <laughs> okay, yeah, I- I'm listening to it. 
I like this. This is cool. This will work. All right, we're going to add that to the Spotify list for sure. And I'm really messing things up by throwing like <laughs> grease in there. No, I. but that's what makes it fun, DJ. That's what makes it fun. Okay, so Tim chimed in. Again, this is someone I'm not familiar with. He said, The Lions and the Cucumber by Vampire Sound Incorporation was the first one that leapt to mind. Twisted, distorted, and very trippy. It's interesting that we all keep going to like kind of weird industrial places. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. See what it sounds like. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, I feel like if you're going that direction, you might as well toss on some like TV on the radio. Is that what you want me to add? Um, yeah, I think the, the music playing is something. Well, this is on an album called Vampiros Lesbos. Sexabilic <laughs> Dance Party. Sure, I'm into it. I like I like that we're crossing a lot of genres with our vampire hunting, you know, in terms of like what kind of vibe it is. Okay, by the Vampire Sound Incorporation. Adding it to the list. Okay. Um, and then he had a second option, which was runner up Children of the Grave by Black Sabbath. Yes. Why? Because it's Children of the Grave by Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no argument here. Uh, on the Nick Cage show, uh, Larry and I um, do these things. They're like four sittings where we make each other watch something or play something. And one time he made me listen to like all of the Black Sabbath albums, and which I was like, yeah, cool. I'm happy to do that. But then he wanted me to talk about them. And I don't know how to talk about music. <laughs> so it was a rough go for me. All right. Jane says, Mein Teal by Rammstein. Oh. About a real cannibal in Germany. Cry a little. Oh, ooh, okay. Yep. And then he yeah, that one's probably uh, that one's genre specific and probably uh, obvious. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's going on. All right, I'm adding it to the list. Do do do. And then he has a a second one as well. Our li this list is kind of dope. I'm into it. It's gonna be a weird mix, but you know what? We're a weird group of people. <laughs> We're a weird fandom. What do you expect? Uh, Cry Little Sister from the Lost Boys. Ooh. <laughs> it's been a while, so what is that one? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, that's going on there. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, last one. This comes from... Do, 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 although there might be an email. I have to check the email, too. Um, This one comes from... Come on, Rachel. Control your tabs. All right. Uh, this one comes from Samantha, who has three. She says, Howling at the Moon by Phantogram. Are you familiar with that one? No. No idea. Me, me neither. Let's see here. Howling at the Moon. Phantogram. This person, I think, might be cooler than us. Let's see. Problem with music is that every person can name at least like seven bands that no one else has ever heard of before. I don't know if that's true of me. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm pretty boring. Okay, so Howling at the Moon by Phantogram. Black Sheep Metric. Okay, I'm familiar with Metric. And then the last one from Samantha is one that I'm not familiar with. Every Breath You Take by Chase Holfelder. Is that a cover or is that the... I think it might be. A sing, sing song? Oh, maybe, yeah. Very cool. I'm going to look. 
yeah, I, I kind of like Samantha's vibe. It's like a little, it's a little more dreamy, a little like we all kind of went, let's go rugged hard. And she went like a, a very different direction, which I respect. I mean, obviously you also went a very different direction with your grace, <laughs> but I think that that is really cool. This is a cool list. Okay. Let me just double check that we don't have anything that I'm missing in the email. Uh, 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 uh. Wolf Like Me by TV on the radio. That was my favorite. Okay. Let me add that wolf. Like me by TV on the radio. Okay, cool. Um, all right, checking the email really quickly. Sorry, hang on, being slow. From Uh, yes, we do actually have one. All right. And then finally from Dave, he says, hello, Dave, your resident gun nerd here again. Here are my picks for vampire hunting. I went moody gothic vibes for the most part. He picked cat people putting out the fires. David Bowie and Ger Giorgio Moroder. The version from the soundtrack uh, to the film Cat People. Ooh, Ooh. I'm not familiar with this, but I'm very interested. Let's see. Boop, boop, boop. Cat People. I mean, honestly, you said David Bowie, so the answer is yes, it's going on the list. Because <laughs> David Bowie is an auto-add to, like, any kind of list. You could be like, let's do an amazing hip-hop playlist. And I'm like, is there any David Bowie on it, though? Um, let's see here. Do, do, do. Okay. Then he went with Night Prowler by ACDC. Super Creeper Vibes. Bonus King ACDC Connections too. See, so you and him are on the same level on this one with the ACDC. I did not expect there to be two ACDC uh, songs on this playlist. Whoa, he has a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> Behind My Camel, The Police, Instrumental Creepiness. The Diminished Scale will always win for Creepy Vibes. Um here all right i'm gonna add these all at the end knife party the deftones all right again deftones another band i love in my opinion you could just rock the whole white pony record but i don't want to hog the whole playlist <laughs> pet cemetery the ramones oh of course great goth vibes another bonus king connection too um yes i always think of uh, the song is pet cemetery it is from the Sea king movie pet cemetery that's what I, it's like from some live thing um let's see lunatic fringe red writer super vibes lyrically it's about the hunting nazis and that's always a win <laughs> correct sir uh intruder peter gabriel the ultimate creepy vibes very moody the song that gave us phil collins drum sound very good point as always thanks for the great entertainment thank you for the shout out to my music night surf on all streaming platforms shameless plug Dude, Dave, what song from your playlist belongs on the Spotify list? Let me know. Follow up email, please, because we need to add Night Surf. It, no playlist will be complete without a little bit of Night Surf, right? Yes, Rachel, that's right. Thank you, DJ. <laughs> I'm so glad you agree. Night Surf, let us know. All right. Thank you, everybody, for answering. I'm going to get this playlist put together, and I will... Send everybody the link. You can listen on Spotify. We can vibe. We'll all be, it'll be like monoculture where we're all listening to the same track. Um, this was a lot of fun. I didn't know how people would feel about this question because it's sort of out of left field. But I think, I think it went great. We got a lot of really great answers. 
So on a similar vein where like it's not a literary question or a specific question, but this is fully selfish. I'm going on a little vacation. It's not going to disrupt our recording. It's, okay. it's a weekend thing, so don't worry. But one of my friends has never read Stephen King. She knows that I'm a super Stephen King nerd. And she has agreed to let me pick something for her. But she likes a beach read. And we are going to be poolside. We rented this house at this amazing pool. We've rented it before. It's incredible. I, I cannot wait. It has like a fire pit and a heated pool. And it's amazing. But she has agreed to let me pick her. Let me select a movie for her. Sorry. To select a book for her. But it has to be something that someone who is down with a beach read would enjoy. So that means it can't be super long. It can't be super dense. It's got to be pretty grabby and pretty fun um, and goes down easy. So I want to know from you guys and from you too, DJ, think about like which of Stephen King's catalog is the best beach read for a Stephen King newcomer. Like how are we going to initiate her into the cult of King with the most beach read adjacent novel? Well, hold so, on though. So, um, are you looking for like a snackable, like one of his short stories series? Or are you looking for I, something that is beach, as in like beach themed? Or? Not beach. Okay, so a beach read is typically like a a shorter novel that is like super easy breezy. You read it on vacation, like you. Ch- it's something you can relax and enjoy. Um, that is not, and that could. I'm gonna leave it up to you to interpret beyond that. Like maybe your answer will be short stories. I don't know. You're gonna tell me next time. Um, but I want for those in the audience to let us know what is your Stephen King beach read to initiate a new Stephen King reader. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Don't forget so think my about choice it, that I've already made by the time we get to it. Write it in your notes. So you, you better write it down now or you'll forget. <laughs> All right. Cool. So like I said, next episode, we are going to be covering part two, Telling Tales, Chapter 5, The Tale of Great Dick. Uh, if you have some thoughts, some questions, some ideas, whatever the case may be, maybe you want to send me your beach read via email. You can do that at at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com, or you can come over on the Facebook group and uh, slide into the DMs there. I don't know how all that works, y'all crazy kids. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, please do us a huge favor. It would mean a lot to us if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. Uh, it really, really helps the show and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. So yeah, do that, please. Uh, if you are a horror fan and you want to know what spooky stuff is coming out on the million streaming services out there, although as of this week and Discovery and HBO are going to be the same thing, we won't even get into the whole Batgirl debacle. That's gotten super weird. And uh, don't forget uh, Ellen DeGeneres' weird um, Ellen as a Kid show was finished season three and they're not going to release it now. Of, uh, ta- they can tax write it off instead and, and make it is more wild money. man it is like yeah it is wild anyway you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the zombie girls website like this week there's so many good spooky things coming out like basically i'm trying to figure out at what time i can finally sit down and watch the new predator movie prey which came out today but i have this and then we have another podcast after this and i'm like <laughs> no but i need to watch predator anyway that and the sandman came out Today. Oh, is that out? That, DH? Yes, it came out today. Uh, is it on I, Netflix so or is seen? it on? Yes, uh... it's on Netflix. Okay, I'm gonna have to go. Watch yes, that. so I did the press junket for that. Yeah, so I saw I your this... interviews. Congratulations! That's, oh, thank that looks you. like a looked like a fun time. It was a really fun time. I'll tell you some. I fucked up drama behind the scenes off my. I'll be all save it for the extended. But um, 
yeah, I, I got to see it like a couple weeks ago and I've been like, I, but the embargo has not allowed me to talk about it. So I'm like so excited for other people to see it so we can freaking talk about it finally. <laughs> I'm especially interested in, in you and Matt, what you guys think about it, because you were the two people that encouraged me to read it to begin with. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to your did thoughts. You, uh, did you go through the audiobook as well? Or I the, did. the new ones? Yes. I mean, that's also yes. a pretty delicious yes it's so good yeah. yes absolutely highly recommend and i mean i'm not you know i think it's excellent the show i think they like actually did a really good job of adapting it i mean it's only the first section like it's not like you're not gonna get into like all the weird shakespeare stuff like i know matthew's gonna be disappointed there's no like midsummer night's dream or whatever but um there's a lot of other really cool stuff from the first half that i think you, you know that you'll get to see anyway that is not the point. The point is, check out our video on demand and streaming services um, calendar. And uh, if you want to support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. Aside from uh, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or, oh, God, I'm tired. It's been a week, you guys. Um, you can also buy our merch. Our merch is dope. It's at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. You can get yourself a Castica shirt or mug or sweatshirt or mask or I don't know. They do a lot of stuff on Public, and that's where it is. Um, or... Or you can support us on Patreon where you get extended episodes. Like, for instance, today we're going to talk about a very weird conspiracy theory that I read today about uh, something Stephen King related. And maybe I'll tell you how I totally embarrassed myself um, around the Sandman junket. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see if I can if I'm not too ashamed. Um, and yeah. Uh, you also get bonus episodes. We just did our, our Midsummer live show, which is really fun. And DJ showed up in costume, and I was very proud of him. <laughs> and uh, our next live show will be in October. We're going to be doing a Halloween one, obviously. And there'll be some other bonus content between now and then. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron, now's a great time to do it. You guys went and... super late, too, didn't you? Because, like, yeah. I checked out at, like, 10, and then, like, I checked the chat later and was like, holy like in the morning and i'm like oh shoot you guys were still going at like 11 30 yeah we were you weren't drinking i think maybe that was the problem because you're like we're having a we're having a good old time (laughs) some of us more than others and by me that i mean me um (laughs) yeah but if all of that is not enough dj where else can they find you on the internet um you can swing over to uh (laughs) whatever the youtube channel is doom Doom. No, Outpost Unknown. Outpost, Outpost Doom is unknown. your movie. <laughs> uh, and you can sometimes find me there. I occasionally am on the Steve cast or whatever I get invited to. Um, pretty much here. And then as of right now, I'm kind of in physical presence. I do a couple of shows a week uh, here around the Portland metro area. So if you want to see me drum out of a suitcase, that's where you can find me. Otherwise, I'm pretty busy doing remodeling projects at the house right now. Uh, Rachel's got the behind the scenes yeah, it's cool. on that and it's uh you could see it if you were a patron and could see the discord because DJ always posts awesome photos of the progress yeah it's actually slowed me down from putting my normal hero and gizmo pictures in the <laughs> discord because I've been too busy um but yeah that's pretty much it what about you Rachel where can they find you well you can find me on all the podcasts on the zombie girls network which includes zombie girls obviously um more deadly our next episode we just put out she will and we oh i know our next episode is actually going to be on freddy's dead which uh, shame hole i've never actually seen and we're going to have a special guest for that episode um it's going to be jason from the dads from the crypt podcast is going to be joining us and he's so fun and so funny and we're like really looking forward to hanging out with him and 
and talking about that movie. Um, the Stream Queens, we are currently, we have made the tactical error of watching every movie in the Hellraiser series. Okay. And next up is Hellworld, which is the video game Hellraiser movie. What? With, yes, yes, yes. Oh, is this has, like the, the Saw franchise where like it ebbs and flows and there's a lot of real bad ones or is this like i wouldn't say that it ever flows after the first couple it's pretty ebb (laughs) uh yeah that one uh stars lance henriksen but also it stars a very very young henry uh cavill from the witcher (laughs) so that one's gonna be a lot of fun and then there is of course nick cage cast we're gonna be reviewing i can't remember but you should definitely check that out and am i what am i forgetting am i forgetting anything no i think you got them all i think so i think i got them all and as far as like recent guest spots i have i mean the last thing i was on was bloody good horror where we reviewed nope which was a great movie but i think i talked about that last time it's been a couple of weeks Anyway, so that is all the places you can find me on the internet, except for one more place. I remember IOU, which is, like you said, the um, YouTube channel where we post. I mean, there's a ton of shows on the network, actually. It's kind of amazing. Weirdly, the thing that's taking off is the Steecast, which is um, we've been talking because apparently like there is a portion of the internet that wants to hear us talk about ninja movies. So if you are a member of that, you should definitely check out Opos Doom because we do talk about ninja movies a lot outpost unknown Um, outpost unknown what is wrong with me i'm telling this has been a very long week all right so that is it for our show unless people are sticking around for the extended episode dj take us out you know guys uh you should really look into a pergola for any part of your yard your apartment your dog your cat your friends (laughs) your family your carport anything pergola is pergolicious so get on that (laughs) pergola today and pergola your way to freedom good night Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, editor. How are you? Thank you for your hard work listening to our garbage and our emotional outpours. You're the best. Um, Give yourself a hug right now. Count to five. Hug tight. One. Two, three, four, five. Now release. Release. Let the positive energy flow in. Let the negative energy flow out. Be one with the podcast. Now get back to work. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing like, um, uh, what is it? When you focus and you close. A meditation? Yes, like a, med- a guided meditation kind of thing. I've done those before. Um, Why like, am I not surprised? Like, I've been a part of it. It's not really my thing, but like, I daydream so when they tell me to like close my eyes and think about like my inner peace I usually just think about like making something (laughs) building something or like write some bad jokes in my head I can't or I don't have a brain that shuts off do you think people can actually I because I can never shut mine off do you think there are people that can or do you think it's all just like everybody pretending they can because they want people you know what I mean like it's like they're just saying it to be like, yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm definitely mind is empty. I'm definitely meditating. So, like, have you ever talked to someone? And I guess this is like, let's let's start the uh, behind the scenes special. And I wanna I wanna lead in with this actually because this is a okay. this is a very important topic. So if okay. you, you weren't paying attention or however this got edited, I don't know. Um, Rachel and I were just discussing meditation, and uh, we were discussing the fact that neither one of us, when we were put into a 
quote unquote meditative state. <laughs> Actually, meditate at all. Instead, we usually just sit there with our eyes closed thinking about other stuff because our brains don't shut off, right? Mm-hmm. You're in agreement. So now take that concept and then pose your question once more. Okay. Do you are you ever able to shut your brain off? No, no. Do you think people? Oh, do you think people actually shut their brain off? Now, okay. So I I I want to take that premise and undress it, so to speak. Whoa, um, this uh, is the after dark edition. So <laughs> no, no, no. So um, it, now, have you ever talked to someone where like you're talking to them, but nothing is registering, and then at the end of the conversation, they're like, "What?" I uh-huh. truly believe that those people exist in a purely meditative state. Really? You don't think they're just like thinking about their own thing? No, I, no. My problem when I do that is that I have I have ADHD'd off onto my own tangent. It's it's such a problem. I have so much trouble focusing. But you think these people are just like empty mind. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's, there's two peaceful. ways that I operate. One is if you tell me to... to um relax and and focus on your inner peace that's when i start thinking hard but totally other way i operate is i literally just stream of whatever's on the top of the floating lake and when i'm staring off into the distance like for example driving uh oftentimes in the old days i would have to drive eight to ten hours in a day just to get to like film sites or whatever and the podcast would end and I would just be blankly staring out into the, the you know, the endless abyss that is I-80 going across the middle of America from one nowhere place to another nowhere place. And Danny's like, are you OK? Like, what are you thinking right now? And like, I would kind of come to and realize that I wasn't thinking anything at all. Really? Yeah. And so I wonder, like, that state that actually happens to me, which is almost it was usually a driving thing, especially if you've. If you're familiar with the United States, and this is for listeners more than you, because um, I don't know how much you've done driving across the middle of the United States. No, not really. I-80 mm-hmm. for probably about 10 to 15 hours is basically a straight line down a gradual hill or up a gradual hill. And by a gradual hill, I mean so minute that you feel like you're walking on flat land, even though over the course of eight hours you gain like 2,000 feet in altitude crazy um so that sort of surreal uh repetitiveness lulls my brain into a weird just like non-existent and Mm -hmm. then when we think about that from the perspective of um you know uh anesthesia if you ever watch or read any of the um, articles that cover how anesthesia affects your brain Oh, it's so like we don't know, right? Like it's just... well, no, no. So when they uh, when they do CAT scans on folks, um, basically when your brain is operating normally, it's a bunch of randomly firing neurons that all like gang up on each other to kind of form a chorus that makes the decision of your brain doing something or thinking something or bringing out a memory. But uh-huh. when you uh, are under anesthesia. 